Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now let's talk uh, more about the challenger tonight, Heels. Sixes and Heat, you're on the way down straight after the show this morning. Matt Kuhneman is already there. Now, Matt, uh, just aside from this match, I've got very, very good news for you. You're only 26. Stephen <laughs> O'Keefe has just re-signed with the Magenta, and he's 38. So you can be spinning for the next, oh, decade or so. Yep. Oh, that'd be a dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> You'd love that. And don't come to us with a contract request, mate. <laughs> yeah, I've got my oh, 14-year deal now. <laughs> <laughs> How are you feeling the morning in, mate? This is pretty exciting, isn't it? Oh, it's unbelievable. It's hard to um, get to sleep. I think there was probably about six of us boys just throwing around tennis ball and just watching YouTube in Xavier Bartlett's room last <laughs> night. Just, it was probably at midnight. I just couldn't get to bed. So That's um, what no we used to do really too, fun. Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> And, and to be fair, after the, the start to this BBL, um, you probably rightfully thought, well, I don't know whether we're going to get through to the Challenger, but you are, and you're only one go away, game away from making the final against one of the teams that's been benchmarked. Well, the two teams, Sixers and the Scorchers, you've got to beat them both to take the title, and, and that's what you're there for, play the best and beat the best. Yeah, definitely. I think um, from the season, how we started, it's um, pretty amazing that we're here, but we're sort of just taking it one game at a time, and Usman um, Kawaja, he's been drilling us down to us, just taking one game at a time and just doing the little things right. And um, and now now we're here, and like, the boys are so confident. Like we're we just, just we are doing them little things right, and um, the, the guys coming into the team uh, for this for this game, um, they're really great players. So we're really confident about tonight. Yeah, that's a good call. I, I was going to say, I bet you don't really even care that your side is pretty inexperienced. No, not at all. We're using that to our advantage. I think all, all really there's a lot of young guys tonight and um, a lot of energy. So we're thinking, we're just hoping that we're going to we do hit like uh, run a lot of twos, um, take some good catches, and just see what, and see what happens. Yeah, because they haven't been playing that well, Cooney. Has that been talked about? Like the, they've been been untidy at times, and their top orders got themselves into trouble a bit. So they they, they mightn't be at their peak. Yeah, well, they're such a great heel, um, uh, team heels, um, especially in finals. So I think we're going to have to play our probably best game to date tonight. But um, like all the Ori's matches, he goes, it just takes one or two guys to have mm. a day out and then um, and then that can change the game. And that's what's sort of happened this year. We've had Reddit's had a, has had a day out. We've had all these had a day out. We've had Ness. Um, so everyone sort of contributed. So... Hopefully tonight someone um, puts their hand up and has a, a really um, a really good night. I mean, could that one to put the hand up either be you or maybe Spencer Johnson? I mean, hasn't he been a revelation, mate? I mean, you know, for those, the, the fans out there like me that love to watch the quick bowlers, he's been great. Oh, Spencer's been unbelievable. Just the way he's absorbed the pressure in some of these um, big moments in the games, um, he's been he's been awesome. And, and just the fact that he bowls his left arm pace, as Andy Bickle just is, is in love with him, I think. <laughs> the Bondi vest. Hey, mate, they, they, I just marvel at how much cricket learning ha, has gone into your career this year. You know, from the Australian white ball selection, um, 
a, a lot of boundary riding out there. How are you holding up psychologically as well as physically, the way you throw yourself around the, the field, and now you're into a, a high-profile domestic final? Um, yeah, oh, the, the body's all good. I, I love being out there. I love. Um, I want to take the, the, the catch of the of the big bass, so hopefully that sort of um, comes today. And just just learning, I've learned so much in the past six months, um, like you said. And like I've I spend a lot of time around around Marnus. Even when he's not here, I'll be I'll be calling and just talking about uh, cricket. So um, just being around them type of players uh, is awesome. I love the game. And I love love learning about, it, especially spin bowling. Was there a conspiracy theory with the hierarchy at the heat to try and get uh, Usman's visa <laughs> delayed? <laughs> I don't know. I said that to our coach yesterday at training. I said, I said, Chuck, you wouldn't be behind this, would you? <laughs> <laughs> he would have just smirked. <laughs> yeah. Mate, um, uh, can you let us into who might be the replacements yet? Has it been announced that the team that the Heat are going to put on the park tonight? Um, well, personally, I, I'm not sure, but um, there's a couple of guys who can, who I know um, are good enough to come in, like like McSweeney and obviously Hazlitt and Max Bryant. I think of Ross Whiteley. So there's there's a, mm. there's enough players there with the experience. So and all all really good good young players as well, and and really good fielders. Um, side, so no, it'll be whoever whoever takes a park. I'll do a good job. Yeah, because there's going to be a, a jostling for batting spots. There'll be a, a reshuffle. I wonder who who would you suspect might open in the Kawaja spot? Um, I'm not 100 percent sure. It's either Hazlitt or, or Max for the opening spot. I think um, Hazlitt's obviously left-handed, so he might uh, could help us against their their spinners. And we know um, Steve O'Keefe likes bowling up top there, so. Um, he could he could be an option. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And then Sammy Haynes there, he can float up and down. But last last time when Mac, when Maxi played, he was a six, wasn't he? So is it McSweeney yeah. that might be be promoted? There's a there's a lot that's been thought of. I bet. And uh, yeah, they yeah. haven't even well, let Haney you know. Can, yeah. Well, Haney can bat um, up top of the order as well. So yeah. same with McSweeney. He got runs against his these um, guys at three or oh, four last time. So. Um, no, there's definitely options there. I think the wickets, from what we've heard, it's a, it's going to be a, a dry one. So I'm sort of licking my lips. But, yep. uh, yeah, so see what happens. It's right. a different beast every night, isn't it, this BBL? You, you'll yeah. get up against an opponent and you think you've got it covered and they get you. And then the next yeah, night, next time it. you get them. Yeah, that's exactly right. Have you looked out the window yet, weather good? Uh, yeah, weather looks all right. It's, I think the forecast is, is pretty good. I think... The sun's sort of glaring at me right now, so we're about to take a van to go to go to Coogee Beach and go for a quick swim and, and sort of get the day going. Yeah, very good, mate. Beautiful. Don't, don't sit around and think too much. Uh, just get the thinking done at, what, 7.15? 7.15, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's 6.15 our time, and that's when you can hear it uh, from 6 o'clock tonight on SENQ. Heels is on his way down. He'll be... Uh, He'll be sitting in a private box somewhere, mate, uh, sipping away. Uh, and, uh, general admission, Cooney. <laughs> general admission, mate. <laughs> Shut up, Penny. <laughs> uh, Matt, thanks very there, much, mate. mate. Really appreciate well, your thanks, time. And, Thank you. And I'm loving loving this confidence talk coming from your mouth this morning where you've got all our listeners pumped up for tonight. Good luck, mate. Yeah, well, we're, we're all pumped up here as well. Cheers, guys. Good stuff. Listen to all, all the action, as I said, of the BBL Challenge Up Final tonight. Between the Sixers and the Brisbane Heat, live on SENQ from 6 o'clock Queensland time. Uh, Doug Bollinger and Jimmy Smith will be calling all the action. 
Valley's competing in this weekend's Bathurst 12 Hour at Mount Panorama. It sees the Aussies and a host of international teams completing in the uh, GT3 spec vehicles. Uh, joining him will be seven-time MotoGP world champion Valentino Rossi, uh, an absolute ledge. But Brock Feeney, at the age of 20, is doing enormous things. Brock, uh, thanks very much for joining us today. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Now, let me get to, firstly, this has intrigued a lot of our listeners when we were talking about you early in the show. Did you begin on bikes at the age of three? <laughs> Yeah, I did actually. So quite funny that I'm racing a bike racer this weekend. <laughs> so, like, I've got a four-year-old grandson. He's only just off his training <laughs> wheels. Yeah, well, I suppose Dad probably started me young, so probably had a couple of crashes at a young age. But um, <laughs> yeah, from when I was three to I was nine, I was racing bikes, and that was yeah before I switched to cars. And you know, you were racing bikes at three, which means you probably started at two. <laughs> oh yeah. I- <laughs> I've got absolutely no idea, to be honest. But, yeah, I know I was running around at that age. <laughs> well, what sort of an idea have you got about the 12-hour Bathurst, mate? How does it sit in your calendar? Uh, it's a good one. It's the first one of the year. It's a massive event, and, you know, this is the first year that it's properly back. We've got the all the Europeans out here, so it's a good weekend for us Aussies, you know, versus the best guys in the world. And, and as you said, Valentino Rossi this weekend racing as well. So it's a... It's going to be a pretty cool event. So are you a fanboy of the MotoGP? <laughs> I'm a massive fanboy of the MotoGP, <laughs> but um, I'm, a, I'm actually a big Marquez fan, so it's a, ah. <laughs> it's a bit awkward. But <laughs> anyway, um, him, and, him and Rossi had a bit of a rivalry over the years, so um, can't say I was... Uh, um, you know, I was always barracking for 93, but anyway, we'll, um, we'll race him this weekend and he'll just be another competitor. And is he serious about this? Has he, has he been doing a bit of, um, you know, supercar type stuff? Um, yeah, he's been racing a lot. So since he yeah retired from full-time MotoGP, he's been, you know, doing a lot of races in the cars and, um, yeah, he's listed down as a pro. So, he's, you know, he's racing against us this weekend so we'll be competing against him and you know for outright so um it'll be interesting to see how he goes he's he's certainly fast i mean he tested f1 cars in that back in the day so he's yeah. got a bit of experience and um we'll see how he goes at the mountain now in the short off season that you guys get i see you've been in austria and you've also been uh, back in carts yeah yeah exactly i had a pretty busy off season um I got back from Adelaide our last race and had two days at home. And Which then, you yeah, won, by the way. Austria for a week. Yeah, so it was, a, <laughs> it was a tight turnaround, especially after a celebrational night on Sunday night. It was a quick turnaround. And then on the plane overseas to, to go visit Red Bull and go to a training camp over there. And, yeah, timing go-karts and backing cars testing. So, you know, made sure I filled in my time. Jeez, you certainly didn't give your jet lag much time, mate. You were <laughs> straight into a Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was pretty tough, but um, no, it was good fun. Really good fun. Did you get to meet the F1 boys? No, I didn't get to meet them there. I'd met Sergio Perez earlier in the year at um, at Melbourne last year, but um, that was it was really cool. You know, you'd, we'd go train and we're sitting with world champions in different types of sports, so it was pretty cool. Hey, Brock, on, on our circuits around Australia and in, in uh, that your comp, what? Have you developed a, a reputation for a style of a driver that you are? <laughs> I've only been racing in supercars for 12 months, so yeah. I don't know if I can get a style that quick. But, um, 
now I'm just I'm just doing my own thing at the moment. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I, I don't know. I just I just drive like I normally do and. See, I was, uh, yeah, I don't, my, I don't know. I don't think about it. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Um, it's for others to think about. Um, I was just wondering wh- whatever what you're known for, whether it's aggression or whatever, does that suit a twelve-hour format? And how do you how do you organise this twelve-hour format between your three drivers? Yeah, it's it's you know a lot of strategy goes into it, and you know our team and engineers have been you know planning it for probably the last couple of weeks. So, um. And it also depends on how fast your three drivers are. So, you know, obviously you want the fastest guy to finish. Um, but when you start at five o'clock in the morning, you need someone that's going to, you know, do a good job in the dark. So there's a lot of strategy that goes on and we'll have a few meetings today to, to plan some things out. But it's surviving, you know, it's getting to the 11th hour and, and having a, a fast and also a straight car because it's pretty easy to get carried away in the first few hours, but it does not mean a thing unless you make it to the end. See, that's what I was talking about, Paddy and Brock. You know, are you are you fast? Uh, are you straight? Are you, you know, there'll be there'll be elements of style that people know that you have, mate. Um, yeah, I, I suppose I don't I don't think about that. I just I yep. just try and drive the car as fast as I can and <laughs> make sure I keep it straight. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Hey, you're only just over a month away from the, the supercar season starting. Obviously, you're in the same team as Shane Van Gisbergen, who dominated last year, 21 wins. Um, he says, and you know, I've, I've seen him quoted that, you know, he'd, he'd love you to, to step up even further this year and, and, and a, li- a little bit like Wing Cup used to do, push each other really, really hard. Uh, yeah, that, that's what's needed this year. I mean, you know, last year was, was a good year for me. It was, my, you know, my rookie season and, um, yeah, six in the championship and a win. But, yeah, now I've been to all the tracks. I understand uh, a bit more and got a bit more experience. So for this year, for sure, obviously want to step up. And, and we got new cars as well. So as, as Shane said, we need to make sure we're pushing each other and, and learning off each other quite a lot this year to, to make sure that we do the best for the team. Yeah, you've got the Camaros this year and the, this whole new gen look. I mean, how how do you and what, what's the, I don't know, the what's it like between you and Van Gisberg? And do you offer each other a lot or when you go out to Queensland Raceway to test, is there a lot of chatting or how is it? Yeah, no, it's completely open. So, um, you know, our team's one team. It's not separate in the garage. So they see everything I do. I see everything they do. Um, you know, we work together, and at the end of the day, we got to make sure the team car wins first before we start fighting each other. So, um, yeah, we work together as much as we can, um, and yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's it's great. It's obviously, been fantastic for me as a rookie to to learn off the best guy at the moment. Mm. It, it, geez, he was nervous asking you that question, wasn't he? <laughs> the, uh, so, mate, has it been the dream job that you you had hoped? It as draining as it must be, and as constant as it is. Are you just loving it? Yeah, no, it is awesome. Obviously, um, you know, I love it more when I get trophies, so I've got to try and do that more often. But, no, it's, it's awesome. And for me, it's just, you know, the lifestyle change in the past couple of years, and you know, I was only at school two years ago, and now be, you know, racing a supercar full-time and, and travelling the country and, and the world, you know, racing and doing what I love is awesome. So, um, yeah, privileged to be able to do it. And, and I'll keep 
keep working my backside off to make sure I can keep doing it for a long time. And what do they say, mate? You're only as good as your last outing, and your last outing was that stirring win in Adelaide. So uh, let's hope you continue <laughs> on with that. And you got the Bathurst 12-hour this weekend. Uh, we're we're going to love watching you racing, but uh, we'll follow you right the way through the season. I know it's just uh, up and up and up for you. Yeah, no, thanks very much, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brock. Yeah, Brock Feeney joining us there. And, of course, uh, the Bathurst 12-hour this weekend will feature the seven-time MotoGP world champion, the, the legendary Valentino Rossi. He's not 22, Paddy. Who? Brock. Brock's 20. Yeah, that well, he's, he's two not, years out of school. He's, he, not even, that's right. he's not even 22, mate. Well, well, he looks like a 30-year-old. I know. I told you right from the start of the show today that this kid is, is way yeah. beyond his years. Yep. He is so mature, and uh, he's going to be a st- superstar. Oh, don't let's worry. Hope. Let's hope so. Mm. Broadcasting live from SCNQ headquarters in the heart of Fortitude Valley, this is Pat Welsh and Ian Healy for breakfast. Queensland made on SCNQ 693am. Now on breakfast with Pat and Heels, Heels gets his gloves off. Yeah, after reading yesterday's comments of Andrew Abdo complaining about the Rugby League Players Association uh, not... Uh, compromising enough and and not stimulating conversations. It was an illustration to me of a textbook sporting standoff. We've heard from all the parties at this stage now in this saga, and I don't see much urgency from any of them to get things discussed, decided, drafted and done. It's just another sports negotiation going the same way. The NRLW players, we've heard from them. They're so untrusting, they're not even training or going near a football field in case they get injured. Instead of waiting for the governing body, find an interim insurer that might be the one and take it to the Rugby League Players Association. Go If you're that keen to train, the men wanting control of funds that will be given to them in spades. Tens of millions of dollars. Who really cares if the donor who who has to dish the money out has committee responsibilities and representation on a committee once you, you're you know, performing with that money that's been given to you? Post-season and career surgeries for broken bodies has to be spread out over more than one year, which is now the case. And maybe a new health fund product needs to be created. The Rugby League Players Association should have found one and even created one that, that could be on the table by now. I hope there's more to this standoff than has hit the media because it sounds dangerously childish. Let me take you back to our cricket problems of 1997. Shield cricketers were full-time trainers and players for only match payments if you got selected. So, so many players did a whole year's work for no money. The top players went in to fight for the full-time conditions for them, probably at the expense of their own earnings. Uh, This was never portrayed or conveyed in the media, of course, that uh, the top players were taking a cut to make sure the conditions of the others would be better. But the CA would not enter the ring. So you can't have a fight if no one sits down at the table or gets in the ring with you. So things just never started. We, we appointed some advisors who insisted on strike action to begin discussions. We, paid, we, we said no to that twice. We said, no, no, that's way too drastic. Finally, we agreed and were pleasantly surprised. By now it was December. Approximately six months of stalling had happened. Our demand in early December was if constructive discussions don't happen by the 15th of December, the players of Australia will not play the one-day international in February 8. 
So another two months' time where we said we're boycotting a game in Sydney. Now, every state player had signed an agreement in support of this, i.e. they wouldn't jump in and take someone's spot in the Australian team once you'd pulled out. Um, so in the Perth test, one state player broke rank and details were on the coverage about our intention to strike. Andy Bickle, our 12th man, came running out at drinks and said, hey, fellas, uh, the strike details are on the telly. <laughs> None of us knew about it. Steve Waugh then pipes up in the huddle at drinks and says, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got the forms in my bag for us to sign. We were the last to have to sign these forms uh, because he didn't want to disrupt the Perth test. He was going to do it at the end of the test. So now we've got Kerry Packer, who's rung the head of sport to instruct him to get to these blokes and find out what's happening. Four of us that night leaving the hotel in different ways for the same restaurant for this meeting with the head of sport. Mr Packer has the following questions. A fairly long list was produced, um, but after two answers, it was finished and the head of sport was already convinced that our intentions were good. He then turned his attention to the board while Channel 9 provided a platform for us to give our side of the story. The next day on the Test Match coverage, Ian Chappell interviewed one of us to give our side of the story because things were pretty good from from our perceptions. This rugby league stash is absolutely textbook. The governing body seen unorganised and unwilling to appease a player body who possibly demand too much and don't take no for an answer. It seems way too much us and them rather than good good levels of togetherness with only, you know, we've only got three more issues to iron out. That's the type of attitude we'd like to hear. Should the broadcasters once again step in to ask some fundamental questions of the rugby league setup? What do you think? So both parties can see how trivial some of it's become. 13-13-55. Uh, yeah, you come from a position of power on this one. You've been uh, through it all before. You've seen it and done it. Oh, we just could not believe it. Could not get them to discuss stuff with us. Mm. And I think that's happening in, in different and different levels in different parts of all those three parties, the men, the women, and the NRL. Okay. Well, we've still got cricket to talk about. We'll worry about the NRL a little later on. And we've got a big game tonight. You're about to jump on a flight very, very shortly to uh, head to the SCG for the Heat, who are six from seven, their last six from seven, and they're on the cusp of making a final if they can get past the sixes tonight. Trent Copeland joining us, Channel 7's BVL expert. Former Sixer, of course. So uh, we've given the Sixers plenty of time today <laughs> with uh, with Dougie, and now Trent. Good morning, Trent. Morning, gents. Heels, you must be nervous. Uh, I wouldn't say nervous. I think what makes me less nervous is that we've got an inexperienced team. They haven't got a lot to lose, have they? Yeah. yeah well, losing the caliber of you know, Kawaja, Manus, uh, Renshaw, and the like, it's it's tough, but. You know, I'm I'm pretty excited about the guys that are going to step in. The likes of McSweeney, even Brown to step up, who's had a, a reasonable tournament and you know probably his first full tournament where he's made the spot his own. You know now the responsibility falls on their shoulders, and that's what's exciting about yes. this tournament. It's the making of domestic cricketers in the biggest moments. And yes, the Sixers probably are favourites, and they're a well-oiled machine. Uh, even a few reporters yesterday assuming that uh, the Sixers and Scorchers might have been the ones to sell the tickets on Sunday night. But, yeah, it's going to be a ripper tonight, I think. 
Yeah. Beautiful weather in Sydney. I agree, mate. It's it's that unknown inexperience of the heat against the incredible consistency of the sixes. Where does where does that come from? It's just has it always just been there? I think so. Yeah. Look, it's one of those things where there's been some changes in the list. There's been um, you know along the way some different coaching structures, but largely the people, the way they operate, and particularly. You know the key personnel in the likes of um, you know Moses Enriquez mm-hmm. as the captain, uh, a few other players like Daniel Hughes, uh, and numerous others like Ben Dwarshus, Sean Abbott, and how they go about things with the ball. That is so consistent, that is so reliable, and those performances from those players generally doesn't go too far either way. Yes. So it's it's a reliable, good culture that believe in themselves and the way they play cricket, and it shows much like the Scorchers, to be honest. Yep. Hey, well, let me ask you to put a heat hat on for a moment. Obviously, yep. Nisa Johnson have had you know a really good season. Johnson been a revelation, but it, I just worry about the Heat's top order. With you know, as you said, we lose Uzi, Manas, Renshaw, they go, and we've got come in players. Even though we know that they've played BBL before, our top order was brittle when the Test players were away. Yes, it was. And I think you know, Nathan McSweeney, I think, is one that has had a really good season for South Australia. I think he comes back in you know, knowing the conditions here in Sydney pretty well. Um, but to me, it's actually, you know, I'm focusing more on Sam Hain. And in my opinion, one of the most underrated cricketers in the country, which I'm sure will be music to your ears and no shock to you in particular, Heels. But Jimmy Pearson is a guy that mm. uh, regularly pulls Queensland out of the fire in red ball cricket. 50 over cricket and, you know, in the absence of Usman yes. Kawaja, leadership. Um, and certainly, you know, you mentioned that winning streak or the six from seven. Hain and Pearson were a large part of, you yeah. know, particularly one game at the Gabba, a huge partnership where they got, you know, the heat out of big trouble. So, look, I, I think, yes, the focus is a bit on the top order, but I look to leaders in these moments and it's going to be Hain and Pearson, in my opinion, that are going to be massive. Yeah, because both top orders can get themselves into trouble, can't they? And I'd, I'd reckon the Sixers mm. really would love uh, Philippi to click. Yeah, it really hasn't happened as much as we're used to. It's He's a guy that is flash and, you know, plays a lot of shots, different shots, um, but has an incredible ability to find ways to do it regularly. Uh, this tournament, he probably hasn't found his best form. Uh, it's been a little more hit and miss, but... Yeah, in any given moment, he can score yeah. 100 off 50 balls. So you've got to be careful. You've got to come with your good plans, as I'm sure the likes of Johnson uh, and Nisa and the rest of the group will do. In all the dissection up here of this match, uh, Uzi has been in a lot of the conversations, not because of the batting for the last two knocks that he's played, but because of his influence on the bowlers and that, and that calming influence standing there at mid-off or... Uh, you know, extra cover or wherever, and just being in their ear nearly every ball. They lose that for this match. Yeah, they do. And it's been, you know, anyone who knows Usman knows that calming nature, the jovial attitude towards playing the game that, you know, now the wider population have fallen in love with it in the test arena in particular. But uh, I think you're absolutely right. There's a lot to be said about not just throwing the ball to your bowler and saying you're bowling at this end. You know, the arm around them in the big moments, smile on the face and saying, you know what, just trust yourself. And I, I would like to think that Jimmy Pearson, given his experience, 
uh, will have that about him. Um, the question is, given that he's not going to be standing at mid-off, yeah. uh, you know, and the time constraints on C20 cricket these days, uh, he's not going to be able to be there and you know regularly in conversation with a youngster like Johnson as often as Uzi will. So, look, I'm sure guys like Wolf in the change room, uh, you know, they'll be around that, they'll be across that, and they'll have a bridging aspect there. No doubt, someone like Michael Niso even, yeah. you know, can be that guy standing mid off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no one better to talk to about this than you. Uh, your thoughts on uh, Spencer Johnson and his, y- you know, v- rhythm that comes from nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> it does come from nowhere. And I've got to say, uh, you mentioned uh, I'm a good person to talk to about it. I would give anything to have been able to bowl this pace heels. Yes. I would literally give my left arm to just have one day of this. So, look, I'm excited. And I think, you know, another person that will be really excited is Jason Gillespie, uh, you know, coach of South Australia. I think young Spencer Johnson's been in the mix for playing, you know, way back. I'm talking seven, eight years back. And the raw pace is just something you can't teach. Left arm. I think his composure has been brilliant for the heat, but pending health and his ankle and, and his lower half staying healthy, as we've seen it this summer, I think he can make noise, not just for the heat, but further up the chain and in red ball cricket as well. Trent, I've got some breaking news for you there. We're not letting him go from Queensland. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you, to be honest. I think there'll be some fighting for him. I reckon there might have already been a couple of new contracts put on the table in front of him already. Yeah, no. Brilliant, well, mate. Yeah, and a quick tip. You, so you, you're expecting the, the Sydney Sixers will get over the heat? I think so, mate. I mean, barring, um, you know, some really tough going in the power play early and the heat getting right on top, I think they're just too well-oiled machine um, to, to not get the job done at home. Mm-hmm. All right, Trent. Great to talk to you, mate. And, of course, it's on the screens of seven tonight. We look forward to your commentary. Thanks, Capes. Cheers, guys. Trent Copeland there. It is 8.16. Breakfast with Pat and Heels on 693 SEMQ. Traffic and weather together. There's been a multi-car crash at Carina Heights this morning. That's on Birdwood Road westbound. There's also an accident at Oxenford. That's affecting both directions on Hoper Island Road. We've got a breakdown at Rochdale, southbound on the Gateway Motorway. Another breakdown at Tanamira. That's eastbound on the Logan Motorway. And another stationary vehicle at Heathwood. That's on the Logan Motorway eastbound. Today's forecast, partly cloudy with a possible shower or storm, heading for a top of 31 degrees. Partly cloudy and 34 tomorrow. Right now, it's 28 degrees. Special treat now, Hills. We found him after a couple of days of searching. Uh, Philadelphia's sports radio legend Bob Kearney works for 97.5 FM over there. The fanatic. He does all the sports in Philadelphia, but we want to talk NFL. Bob Kearney, thank you so much for joining us on the show this morning. Pat and Ian, I really appreciate you having me. I apologize for yesterday. We actually ran into travel plans trying to get into the Super Bowl. So we were in meetings all day yesterday, and I'm sorry I, I missed you yesterday, but glad to be here today. Hey, we're going to talk Super Bowl in just one second, but of course the huge news NFL-wise over there, that for the second time the GOAT has announced his retirement. Yeah, and, and he says it's for real this time. So, <laughs> um, yeah, he did it. He let the team know. It was kind of odd. He made the announcement at around 8 a.m. our time here. Uh, He told the team at 6 a.m. that he was going to retire today. So 
that's kind of odd, but Tom Brady lately has been kind of odd. But, uh, yeah, we've seen the greatest football player over here uh, to ever play the game call it quits today. Yes, he left it all out there as well, didn't he? Uh, Bob, I'm, I'm interested in the Rocky statue of Philadelphia. You know how <laughs> it's, it's, it must be so uh, busy uh, and crowded all the time, but the 49ers put a jersey on him. And has that not happened many times before? Surely a lot of people have tried that, but it ruffled some feathers, didn't it? Yes. Yeah, so in 2018, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, uh, the Minnesota Vikings came in here. They had some cute little fans that thought they were going to overtake the city of Philadelphia. <laughs> and they put a uh, Vikings jersey on Rocky. Uh, and we know how that game went. I believe it was 38-7, to if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> then yeah. the Giants came in here this year. Giants come in this year. They put one on there. The Eagles blast the Giants. And then San Francisco tried it too. So, yeah, Rocky's just standing there saying, go ahead, put it on. It doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Now, obviously the questions we're going to ask you center around uh, the two Aussies, but in particular this giant of a man, Jordan Mailata. Do you love him over there? It is. I, I can't tell you guys enough. Pat, he is so beloved over here. He is, of course, everybody on this team, when, when you have success, as, as you guys know, whenever an athlete has success, they're more loved than anything. But Jordan, with his singing voice, an album that he did with, with never playing college football, coming in here, being just a phenomenal left tackle, and just a great, great guy. He is, I, I tell you, he is a fan favorite, and I would say only partial, partially because of the way he plays football. He protects his, his teammates. If there's ever a late hit, anything like that, he's the first one over there getting in guys' faces. He's funny. Like I said, he can sing. And, damn, he can play football anymore too. Oh, and then he cries. He gets emotional and shows a real soft yeah. side. Oh, he's making us all look bad. Yeah. <laughs> and he was on a, a show. I don't know if you've heard of this show. What's it called? Uh, yeah, yeah. Masked Singer or something yes. like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yep. that's a pretty – yeah, so he goes on that and, and you know, kicks ass on that, too. So this guy is just – he is – he is uh, he's phenomenal. And he kind of uh, embraces what this whole team is about. They're all likable. They're all very good players. And they're all very relatable to the, to the Philadelphia community. Oh, that's great. You obviously know a bit of the backstory, But, you know, in, in 2017, so not all that long ago – he was on $5,000 playing second-grade rugby league for the South Sydney Rabbitohs down in Sydney. Uh, he's on a little bit more than that in Philly now, isn't he? Oh, yeah. He, he's doing very well for himself. And uh, <laughs> he, the position he plays is one of the most important in football, and he's one of the best at it. Uh, yeah. I don't know exactly what his contract situation is right off the top of my head. But Jordan Mailata will be here for a long, long time, and he will make a ton of money. Oh, that's so heartwarming for us to hear that, Bob. But how does how does his athleticism compare to other quarterback protectors? Yeah, well, it's it's funny because there was a story a couple of weeks ago about the whole offensive line, the guys that protect the quarterback, and uh, the leader of that line is this guy, Jason Kelsey. And he talked particularly about Jordan Mailata. And he said, man, when that first guy got here, he said, no way. That dude ain't going to be able to play professional football. He didn't think he was going to even make the team, let alone become a starter and now a star at that position. He is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, offensive lineman. His foot movement, 
his strength, his athleticism. It, it's unheard of. And we're talking about a guy that was plucked, as you guys very well know, as you just described, from anonymity. Nobody knew who he was and how the Eagles got eyes on him. I have no idea. But expect a lot more of your of your football players over there to be plucked to the United States if they're anything like Jordan Maialata. Yeah. Hey, uh, we'll talk about the game in a second. But the, but the other Aussie, obviously, is uh, Aaron Sipos, um, who's your punter. Is he fit and will he play, do you think? I don't know, and it's a great question because the guy that has replaced him, a guy named Kern, hasn't played very well. So they're hoping to God Sipos can come back. I I don't know. We haven't gotten an update on him. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the Eagles are off for a few days because they're resting. You know, you have two weeks before the Super Bowl. So we haven't got word on him. But I'll tell you what, the, the play, and I don't know if you guys saw it, the play where he got injured, uh, it was uh, the punt got blocked. He ran up, and now punters over here, guys that punt in football, they're not usually very good athletes. They're just guys that can kick the ball a far away. This guy got a punt blocked, ran over, scooped it up on the run, went to break a tackle, dove for a first down, didn't get it, but that was in the process. He hurt his ankle on that play. But I'll tell you what, he opened some eyes with his athleticism on the play that he got hurt, and this team – they kind of need him back, so hopefully he will be back for the Super Bowl. Yeah, oh, cool. excellent, excellent. Oh, look, there's so many great stories of of this Super Bowl. Andy Reid's got to be one, hasn't he? The last six meetings between these two franchises, he's been the successful coach in every one of them. Yeah, how about that? Uh, it, it is. It's it's probably the top story. Andy Reid was kind of an unknown in the NFL back in 1990 when the 99. I'm sorry, when the Eagles hired him. And uh, he came in here and, and just was incredible here for 14 years. Now, his one loss record was impeccable. Uh, his teams were always challenging. The one thing that Philadelphia fans hold over Andy Reid is he never won, won the big game. He never won the championship here. Uh, came close an awful lot of times, but never won it. So he goes to Kansas City, leaves here, and then he wins his championship. So people in Philadelphia, happy for him, glad he won his championship. But he's already got it, so now it's time for Philadelphia to get another one. So they're not rooting for Andy Reid on this one. No, okay. But interestingly, I might have this wrong, but the six times they've played, the last six times, have all been four years apart. Is there a coincidence in that, or is there is does that is that interesting? I didn't even know that, to tell so, you the truth. It's so very it's, interesting. Yeah, yeah. The Philly, when he was with the Philly Eagles, it was 01, 05, 09 that they played the Kansas City Chiefs, and then 13, 17, and 21. Yeah, uh, the way they set up schedules, if you're not playing teams in your division, it's where you finish and where other teams finish, and then you face their whole – it's pretty complicated. But because the Eagles had so much success for those years, they were pretty much playing – Kansas City's in another conference. They were pretty yeah. much playing those guys, you know, once. Yeah, as it turns out, as you said, like every four years. So uh, it, it's, a, it's a big storyline here, Andy Reid and, and all of that, and everybody's all over it. And, and, look, he is loved here in Philadelphia, and, and people here were happy when he won his championship. But nobody's going to re- be rooting harder against him than <laughs> the people that used to love him. Hey, Bob, we've got to head to the news. But I just – if I – time for one more question – Give us a sure. sense of, of the feeling there in in Philly in this week and a half that you've got left leading up to the big game. Oh, it's wild. It's, it's <laughs> like waiting for the bar to open, right? Uh, you, you're, <laughs> you're like you're frothing at the mouth. You've just run a marathon. You need that cold beer. And, 
and it's just not going to be there for a little while. So it's just it's an unbelievable buildup to get to the next Sunday uh, for this football game for us. And, uh, yeah, this city is going crazy and all the little stories and people decorating their houses and all the things uh, are going on. And it's, it's going to be nuts here in Philadelphia. Hey, just an absolute joy and a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Bob. Really appreciate your time this morning. Guys, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. hope everything goes well. Yeah, thanks, yeah, Bob. Bob Kearney, the Philadelphia sports radio legend, the fanatic. He does all their sports, but, of course, it's only about uh, the Eagles at the moment after their big 31 win over San Francisco 49ers in a game that had quite a bit of spite, and they've got the Kansas City Chiefs uh, in a week and a half time same, for Super Bowl. Same win-loss rate, rates for the season, these two mm-hmm. as well. So, well, you're luxuriating in a private box at the SCG tonight. One of the Sydney Sixers legends, Doug Bollinger, will be calling the game. Yes. We'll be calling a mighty heat victory for SEN tonight. Good morning, Doug. <laughs> Good morning, fellas. What's going on? Well, Heels is just getting ready to get out of the studio and get a flight down to Sydney to uh, watch the heat win tonight and advance to the final of the BBL. That's what's going on. Yeah, that's all, Dougie. That's all we need. Jesus, it's easy when you don't have to pay for your own flights anymore, eh, Hill? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is, right? <laughs> it's actually been very. Oh, it's actually been. It's actually been very good to see you, mate, lately. The game, to be honest, I've, I've really enjoyed catching up with you. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. And and I was just looking into your record a bit. I'd, I'd forgotten. Did you play for the Hurricanes? I did. Yeah. I did start at the, start at the Thunder, went to the Hurricanes, and finished at the Sixers. Yeah, you've got a great record. Um, 139 wickets in less games than that, which is excellent. Um, what were your skills, mate? What, what were your skills that made you such an effective T20 player? Oh, mate, I think I just tried to keep as simple as I could. Um, um, I, I liked hitting the wicket because um, obviously in, in you know 2020 cricket, the, the wicket's pretty good. Um, and I just fully... You know, I actually enjoy bowling at the desk, to be honest. Yeah. I enjoy, you know, putting a certain field out there and, and just knowing just knowing it's on me and it's on the team. So, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed doing that. But I kind of classify myself as just a real hitting-the-wicket kind of bowler. Mm, with good control. Now, tonight, Yeah, you're right. <laughs> tonight, Doug, there's a couple of big outs for these teams because uh, the test yep. team, uh, with the exception of uh, Osman, is flying to India at yep. the moment. Um, by the way, Usman's visa has been sorted. He will fly sometime today, apparently. But, yeah, so a couple of big outs to this game. What, what does it mean, mate, when you've got to bring blokes pretty much off the pine into uh, into a crucial do-or-die match? Oh, mate, I don't think it's... it's no, it's nothing much, mate. Like, Daniel Hughes is coming in for the Sixers. He's done it before. He's won it a few times with the, with, um, with the Sixers. So he knows what he's doing... And um, you know, it's just the guys. The guys have got there by playing this season. So it was great to see. It was great to see the Aussie players back. Don't get me wrong, but the rest of the players have been around most of the season, so they know what to do, mate. It's just another game, and it's just one of those ones they've got to win. Yes, but you've got you've got your little pink eyes on there, haven't you? Like you're worried about Daniel Hughes. No, no, what no, about the, no way. The Brisbane boys. They got to bring in, you know, Nathan McSween. He's only played three games. Um, Sam Hazlitt might have to play no games this year. You know, the, how how do you reckon they're going to feel? Well, it's their own fault, isn't it, mate? <laughs> <laughs> you are giving me no, just, no, no, just, no, no. It's just one of those things, mate. Like you get quite one of those things. That's why the scorches are so good, mate, because they've, you know, it's one of those things where yeah, they don't have any Aussie, 
you know, many Aussie stars in their team, but they've recruited really well and their team are really balanced. That's what I can say about, you know, just saying the, the pink eye of Sixers, but the Sixers have just got a team that have been around five, six years, you know, yeah. even longer. So um, I think it's just one of those things where, you know, some of those players haven't had the opportunity, but they get it now, mate, and what better time? Yeah, well said. Well I, said. You know, Josh Brown Sam, is Sam one. Sam Hazlitt's played, Sam Hazlitt, Sam Hazlitt played, played in previous CBLs as well, mate. So it's not like he doesn't know what to do. And, and it's not like he doesn't know how to hold a bat. It's just he's just got to come in and score runs tonight. And that, that's, that's just the be all end all. You know, you've had to do it before in your past. And, and, and the guys are all professional players, mate. So just one of those things you've got to suck it up and just get on with it. Yeah, and they're good words coming from you because you, you came from a lower league to get into cricket and you emerged quite quickly, just like this Josh Brown we have has done this year. Yeah, he's been all right. Um, I think he struggles a little bit when the ball's slower. Um, so that's, so that's just, you know, what can you do with that, mate? He just plays with strength and potential and, and he, he started with a bang, didn't he? Um yeah. You make, you know, coming from making your own cricket bats to, to playing in BBL on TV and signing autographs. So, you know, that, that, that would have been great for him and his, his confidence. So, um, and he can only learn from now. I hope he's, I hope he's standing next to Buffa as much as he can and Usman and all these kind of guys are just trying to learn and, and, and add something to his armour in his game. Hey, Doug, the big talk up here is losing Usman. I mean, not just the other test players, but particularly Usman because he stood there and has been in the bowler's ear constantly during the 20 overs, and he, he seems to be that calming influence. Uh, he, he's gonna, he, he looks like he's going to be sorely missed for a game like this. Oh, for sure, mate. Of course, he's, he's, got, a, he's got a mountain of runs for you. He's a wealth of experience. He's a good leader. But, mate, uh, it's the same Jimmy Pearson's done the same for years on end, mate. He's, he's got a good head on him. He knows what he's doing. And to be honest, like, you know, pink guys again, but six years, mate, like, you can't, you can't turn away that talent and that, that amount of runs and, and cricketer. Um, but, you know, they've got to, they've got to, you know, they've got something to do. They've got to go to India. Then they've got an Ashes series. So it's always great to see them in. But when they come on and come off like that, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They, they demonstrated that they're, there is another step for our first-class cricketers to take if they want to. Hey, what about all the left-armers around? You'd be very uh, watchful and observant tonight. Uh, you know, Ben Dorsius, he rarely goes wrong for you blokes. Uh, I think Hayden Kerr, yeah, no, he's a good all-rounder. And we've got Spencer Johnson. What do you make of them all? Uh, how good Spencer Johnson? He, he, I think there's about, you know, maybe six or seven bowls around at the moment that can bowl 150s. It's unreal. Yes. Um, and I know, and I know, especially for you, you're catching him. How good is it watching blokes fall fast? Like yeah. it's it's phenomenal. And I've said I've said a lot, you know, on the on the SDN this season that how good is it to see the ball dominating the game? Um, I think it's been a real breath of fresh air. There's been good wickets from bowlers and spinners. Um, but yeah, um, there's some good lefties going around. Dorsey can swing it. Jensen bowls really fast and can swing the ball. Uh, but it's just good to see a mountain of fast, fast quickies. Tom Rogers, who averages 148, I think. Uh, yeah. Rolly Meredith. Um, it's no. wonderful to see, mate. I'm loving watching Blake fall fast. You know, Spencer Johnson, what do you make of the fact that he doesn't even look like he's trying to bowl fast? Yeah, I hate blokes like that, eh? Put him in a Formula <laughs> One car. Put him in a Formula One car and he'll probably beat Schumacher. Give him yeah. a soccer ball. He'd probably pump it better than Ronaldo. I hate blokes like that. <laughs> yeah. But no, he's good, mate. He, 
he looks like, you know, he's got the he's got the deer in the headlights look at the moment, does he? He's just enjoying playing. He's running in and bowling fast, hitting wickets, and just in how good this game. So we've all been there. We've all done that. It's, a, it's really good to see. Might have to get him down the sickle. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> now, Sean Abbott, mate, the two the two legends for you guys. Sean Abbott, yep. he, he regularly reins it back in when someone has been tapped up at the other end. And, you know, Sock, Steve O'Keefe, starts the innings, pulls it back in the line or finishes it. He, he's just been outstanding, and especially at the SCG. Mate, and he's got the rig of an Adonis, does he? <laughs> but, no, yeah, Sabah's been phenomenal, mate, in the whole BBL. He's always getting wicked. He's always doing well. And can I say another question? I think Michael Minkta is very, very, I wouldn't say he's underrated, but he doesn't get talked about enough. He, he, he gives it his all. He's a, he's a phenomenal player. He's good with the bat and ball. And I think he's a real true leader for you guys. I think he could be one of your captains at some stage. Yes, well, we think he's going to have the job, the, the Usman job at mid-off, you know, mid-off and shortish cover yep. to get to our bowlers if it, if it's ever needed. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And, and why wouldn't you? It's, it's, good to, it's good to have the bowlers around other bowlers, obviously, so they know certain situations, um, times of the game, and even just to have a chat, like just to talk a bit of rubbish in between balls. It's, it's a bit of a weight off your back. And, and he's, one, he's one guy... Um, who does well. Young Baisley for you guys. Yep. I think he's been very, very good. Some of the best eyebrows I've ever seen. <laughs> um, oh, you can't go past Sean Abbott's. How, how firm are they? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I love it. But, yeah, mate, Seb has been great, mate. He's just got that knack of getting wickets. Um, same with Steve O'Keefe. I think, I think it's one of those things where the slower he bowls, obviously he's harder to hit, so... Um, yeah, it's going to be. There's, there's wonderful players and blokes that have been around a long time in both teams, mate. And, and I think that's just the key to, to these good, good environments, you know. Yeah, yeah it's a good game. Good Brilliant, game Dougie. Really appreciate. We've got to get to the news, mate. Can't wait for the call this evening. I know it'll be completely impartial. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was on the fence then. I was, that was the best I could do. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff, Doug Bollinger joining us there, Sydney Sixers legend. Thanks, and we'll, thanks, Dougie. He'll be calling the action tonight with Jimmy Smith from six o'clock Queensland time, right here on SENQ. It's the Sixers and the Heat live, and the winner goes through to the final against the Scorchers.